Welcome to the first edition of Digging In in 2019, and we really are starting off the year crazy with a lot of ag policy up in the air because of the government shutdown. We're going to get into that with Spencer Tuma, our Director of National Legislative Programs. So let's get started. Spencer Tuma is our Director of National Legislative Programs. And Spencer, welcome back. It's uh, good to be here for a, a whole new year of policy. Yeah, it's really exciting to be back. Um, happy 12th day of the government shutdown, <laughs> yeah. in addition to Happy New Year. Well, so. that's absolutely right. It's quite a eventful start of the year it so is. far. We, we had a pretty um, crazy end of the year in 2018 mm-hmm. because we passed the Farm Bill in the waning days of, of the year. And, um, you know, that were, there was a lot of back and forth struggle to try to hash out the provisions of that, get mm-hmm. get it passed through both houses and signed by the president. We were happy to see that done, but then we immediately turned and found ourselves in the midst of a government shutdown. We did. So the president actually did sign the farm bill the day before the government shut down. Um, American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duval and some other state Farm Bureau presidents were actually able to go to White, the White House for the signing. So it's pretty cool to watch, um, especially, you know, having kind of worked on the farm bill for the past year or so. It was, it was really rewarding, I think, um, for Farm Bureau members to be able to participate in that process. Mm-hmm. But as you said, the next day, uh, the House and Senate could not come to an agreement on funding. Um, so we are in day 12 of a partial government shutdown, um, which we anticipate will probably continue at least over the next few days. Yeah. And you mentioned it's a partial shutdown. That's because um, out of all the appropriations bills that Congress has to pass every year, um, they they only passed a couple of them, mm-hmm. uh, a handful of them. And the rest of the government that didn't get an appropriation is now shut down. And unfortunately, USDA is part of that. Yes. USDA, FDA, um, agencies that are EPA, agencies that generally impact agriculture that we think of in the day-to-day, mm-hmm. um, most of those are included in the government shutdown. Yeah. So practically speaking, what what does that really mean um, in, a, in, in the farmer's daily life mm-hmm. and then on the D.C. policy level as well? Right. So from the local perspective, the biggest change you're probably going to see is that your local USDA offices, they were open through December 28th because they had enough funding to stay open until then. Um, But as of Friday, local USDI offices, particularly FSA offices, are closed. Mm -hmm. Um, That means if you're applying for the market facilitation program, for example, you can fill out the application, but there's nobody there at the office to take it. So unfortunately, you cannot sign up for that program currently. And the deadline is January 15th to get signed up for that. If you have previously signed up for the program, you're still going to be getting your payment from mm-hmm. that. So they can still issue the payments. They'll still process the right. paperwork they already got before. But they, yeah. can't, um, they can't accept new applications. Um, but there's a lot of other, you know, kind of from a higher level perspective, functions of USDA that do have to stay open. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that will continue include, you know, continuing meat, poultry, and processed egg inspections, grain and other commodity inspection, any inspections for import and export activities, all of those things are considered essential functions. And of those the are government. health and safety re- regulations, basically, mm-hmm. is the reason that those things are considered essential that, that can't right. be um, furloughed, can't be taken a, taking a break. Exactly. And so, in addition, you know, anything you would think of as something that has to be on every day. So, at some facilities, they actually have animals that have to be cared for. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that continues even though there's a government shutdown. Any household who is receiving supplemental nutrition assistance 
payments will still continue to receive those dollars as well. Mm -hmm. So um, actually, NRCS offices are going to continue to remain open to kind of support some of those programs. But like I said, at the local level, your FSA office is not going to be open or staff. Yeah, and that's, of course, the most farmers' first contact with USDA is through that FSA office. And if you have questions about, you know, those the loan programs that mm -hmm. USDA has or the conservation programs that FSA helps facilitate, there's just nobody to talk to right now. So, right. And, you know, we were we've been discussing um, our our armchair quarterbacking, speculating on what's going to happen <laughs> here with this. It very easily could be a couple more weeks before this uh, gets gets hashed out. Yeah. We've got a new Democratic Congress coming in, Democratic House of Representatives at least, cha changing over, taking power, a new Speaker of the House, and a lot of uh, pretty strong rabble rousers on that side mm -hmm. of the aisle that are not going to want to fold very easily. And Donald Trump isn't really known for folding very quickly either. No, he's not. So it, it's really hard to see exactly how long this may end up taking. And if you're new to this, um, new to the podcast, or maybe just new to the government shutdown, this is all about immigration policy. Mm -hmm. That is where President Trump has drawn a line in the sand. And he has said, I want funding to pay to build a wall or a um, some sort of structure. Mm -hmm. He's called it steel slats. There's physical a lot of barrier. Phys physical yeah. barrier along our southern border. Um, the House did pass a package that included funding for that initiative. The Senate did not pass it. And so that is why we are where we are. Mm -hmm. Immigration has been a hot button issue throughout the past year, really since the 2016 election and arguably, I would say, even before the sure. 2016 election. Um, and it's come to a head a couple of different times in the past year. Um, so I anticipate that that's something we're probably going to be looking at in the new Congress once the government reopens. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we've got to do that first. But um, that is the reason we are where we are is because of immigration policy. That's right. And those bills, the, the bill that the House passed, of course, that was in 2018. Well, as of January 3rd of 2019, a new Congress starts, and yep. so any previous bills expire. Right. So that's not going to be any good anymore, and they're going to have to pass something new right. uh, for anything to move forward. And that complicates the situation even further. I mean, mm -hmm. you mentioned not only did it fail or pass the House, didn't pass the Senate, but we've got to basically completely rewrite, if you will, or completely reintroduce legislation mm -hmm. to fund the government. And, mm -hmm. and that's not easy. I mean, no, all of it's basically started over. It, it's totally starting over from, from zero. And what's really unique about this is the timing of the shutdown is in in the middle of, a, of the shutdown is that change of power. Mm -hmm. And you've got brand new leadership on the Democratic side of the aisle that's taking positions, uh, leading the House, and then you've got all of the chairmen switching over mm -hmm. of every committee, and somehow they've got to find all the staff that they're going to hire and figure out where their offices are and where the bathrooms are in the right. middle of trying to write one of the most important bills we're going to see for years. Right. And that is just physically very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. um, anything that, you know, if it would have taken five days, Last year, it might take 10 days this year just because of all those challenges. Right. And it has been several years, at least in the House, since the Democrats have had a majority power. And mm -hmm. so it's been since at least 2010. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a long time since they've had to be in those leadership positions. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of new legislators, like you mentioned, and there's been a lot of turnover since 2010. Yeah, so there, a lot of people have never served in these leadership positions before. That's totally true. And that's one of the things that I think is sometimes misunderstood about that, the Congress, especially the House, is people talk about how, you know, congressmen stay there forever and ever and ever, and they've all been there 100 years. Well, in reality, there's actually a lot of turnover in the so House. So much. And I think I saw something like maybe 30% of the Democratic caucus has ever served in a Democratic majority, and that was only eight years ago. 
Um, I mean, it's it turns over fairly quickly, actually. Um, some of those top leadership positions, of course, like uh, Speaker Pol- Speaker to be Pelosi, mm-hmm. um, of course, have been around for a long time, and some of the um, people with a lot of tenure, of course, have a lot of power. Right. And the, those people probably do have some institutional knowledge, but by and large, most of the membership doesn't. And I know this is you know two staffers, former staffers uh-huh. talking, but almost no staff was ever there during oh, a Democratic no. majority. Absolutely and they're not. figuring it out as they go. Um, you know, staff turnover over eight years is probably 95%. And it's also an interesting dynamic for the Republican members of the Missouri delegation as well. For example, Congresswoman Hartzler, Congressman Long, Congresswoman Wagner, Congressman Smith, they were all elected at a time when the Republicans were in the majority. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they have don't no know experience on yeah. how to be in the minority. Right. I mean, it, goes bo- it cuts both ways. It absolutely does. It is going to be... A lot more challenging than I think a lot of people are giving it credit for. And, you know, the dynamics of, like, how do you reopen the government um, when you've got that freshman uh, crowd that is absolutely adamantly opposed to compromise with President Trump on anything. And they campaign on that fact. You know, they they campaigned as as progressive heroes and Mm -hmm. champions for the cause. And this is the cause. Uh, Immigration, if anything, is is going to be the cause. So I think that anybody who foresees this being like one or two bills bounce back and forth and then something signed is probably kidding themselves. Right. It's probably going to take a while well, what did to get we it do? sorted out. Early in 2018, we shut down the government for like 36 hours. Yeah, no we one are, even we're noticed. way past that. <laughs> way like, past that. And I think it's really interesting, too. I, I didn't work for Congress during a government shutdown, but something I have learned is you basically, especially if you're an agency, when you shut down the government, you have to basically shut things down like you are never coming back. Mm-hmm. Like you have to pretend that you're not allowed that to even you're do not, anything. You're not allowed to think like, oh, well, you know, we'll be back in two weeks and we'll just power this down for now. You have to literally go through every procedure like that will never reopen again. Mm-hmm. And when you start it up, you have to basically start over, yeah. for lack of a better word. Yeah, and that's true. And um, one of the other things that I, I don't know if it gets a lot of coverage is, I, I think I saw a couple stories about this this morning. Um, over the weekend was the, well, actually, I guess earlier this week was the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And so that was the end of the month, which means that was payday. Yep. And that means anybody that was in one of these agencies that doesn't have a, an appropriation right now didn't get paid. Didn't get paid. Yep. And so there are people now, uh, thousands, millions of people actually, um, uh, maybe hundreds of thousands is probably more accurate, that didn't get a paycheck. Uh, earlier this week and now uh, are having to find a way to make ends meet. And I saw a story about how they were taking out uh, short-term loans mm-hmm. and you know whatever they needed to be able to make the rent payments and that type of thing. And those type of, of pressures are going to start pushing on lawmakers as well. But in reality, there's, um, there's probably not that many lawmakers who are going to change their vote just because of that. So Right. Well, and that's, that's just something that if you're not working in government day to day or working in government relations, you might not even think about that mm-hmm. people aren't getting paid. Um, I mean, which there's a lot of issues going on, um, but that's certainly something that does cause real, real world impacts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very unlikely we were discussing before we got on the podcast. I don't think there's ever been a time where the government shutdown didn't when they reopened it back pay mm-hmm. people. So, so we're confident that people will get paid mm-hmm. at some point, but. Um, for those who were really depending on that paycheck, you know, it is the holidays, and I just pay my property yeah. taxes, so that yeah, was really exactly. fun. So It's like the um, worst pay period to miss, probably. Right. Yeah. No kidding, arguably. Yeah. So um, it, it definitely and is. is a, it's a big deal. I think some people 
may not think it's such a big deal, but it, yeah. it's a big and, deal. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who have very little sympathy for a government worker missing sure. a paycheck. Absolutely. And I understand that. But, you know, imagine if you missed your paycheck um, and had to still make your mortgage payment mm-hmm. next week uh, or this week. Um, and also, the <laughs> one of the weird quirks about uh, the way that things work there is that the the lawmakers, the members of Congress, still get they paid. They still get paid, but their, their staff, staff doesn't, doesn't get paid. Yeah, yep. so their staff is all sitting there having to go to work and um, try to negotiate this thing without having been paid. Mm-hmm. And they're all not happy about that, of course. And it's, you know, the, the steam builds and it gets pretty, people get at each other's throats, actually. Yeah. It gets pretty grumpy up there. Um, so, yeah, like I say, I think that it's going to, it's obviously it will get worked out eventually, but I don't think it's going to be real fast and it's going not going to be a very happy place mm-hmm. to be. No, I, com- I completely agree. I would not be surprised. Um, I, I will not go as far as to make a wager over the podcast, but I would not be surprised if when we are having this discussion on digging in next week that the government is still shut down. Yeah, I frankly will be surprised if we're not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if if it reopens, I'll be stunned. I think that it's probably going to take a while, but I guess we're just going to have to let the let things play out a little bit. You know, they've got the, on the 3rd, um, on Thursday, they're going to be swearing everyone in and mm-hmm. all the ceremony of that. So that's all going to be happening. And it, then they have to kind of get everything organized and I do, you know that delays everything another over another weekend right you're not going to get anything really moving I don't think until early next week at the earliest but you know who knows it's it's extraordinary times and so extraordinary things happen that's right well there was a report um, some of our listeners might have seen on the news that the House Democratic majority has come up with a plan to potentially reopen the government mm-hmm. um, the likelihood of that passing the house obviously it just needs a majority so it might be pretty high. Sure. Um, however, the president has threatened to veto any legislation that does not include funding for a physical barrier along the southern border. It's very unlikely that the Senate will take up a bill that the president has said he's not going to sign. That's mm-hmm. just in the Senate. That's not what you do. You yeah. don't take up bills that the president's not going to sign. So and, and it'll be interesting if, to see that play yeah, out. And even if it did, he's not going to back down on that mm-hmm. and, and not veto it. So anyway, once this does get uh, get sorted out. <laughs> Eventually. Uh, what what do you think that we're really looking at for an agenda for this new Congress that's getting started? And uh, we're at the beginning of a year, beginning of a new uh, session. What do you think the, the, the big items are going to be on their plate once they get past this? Yeah, so we already talked about immigration, and I do think that is one that is going to be talked about a lot. And of course, that includes, you know, general immigration issues along the southern border, um, sanctuary cities, all of those sort of buzzwords that you hear, but it also includes agriculture labor. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's something that that we should be watching for in the new Congress. The biggest one that I am watching currently is trade. Um, I know we talked about the market facilitation program, but Congress will have to approve the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, or the new NAFTA, as some Mm -hmm. people call it. That logistically and politically is going to be harder to do this year than it would have been last year. Right. Um, there are many Democrats and some Republicans who have been very openly critical of the president's negotiating strategy and trade policies in general. Um, but many have also said that we do need to get a solution done on NAFTA or mm-hmm. USMCA. So it'll be interesting to see the dynamics of that discussion um, I think it it will not be as easy as some people think it will be. But mm-hmm. so immigration and trade, I think, are going to be two big ones. I also think infrastructure that that's kind of a bright spot for me. Um, if there's one thing that Democrats and Republicans in Washington can agree on, 
it is like broadband infrastructure generally those issues mm -hmm. in, I think, in big terms at least yeah. they they know something needs to happen that they mm -hmm. might not agree on exactly what right Th those issues tend to be a little less controversial a little more bipartisan um, and like you said, the general consensus is that those are things that are needed. We might disagree on how to get there. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there is initiative, at least, you know, in the Trans Transportation Infrastructure Committee, Congressman Sam Graves is now going to be the ranking member, um, the top yeah. ranking Republican, because we're in the, the their Republicans are in the minority. Um, you know, all the conversations I have with their office indicate that we're going to move on some infrastructure mm -hmm. packages. You know, from Farm Bureau's perspective, we might not get every single thing that we want, um, but I, I do think that's something that can get done yeah. in the new Congress. Well, and like we've said many times, that's a great thing to have Congressman Graves in that mm -hmm. position. Absolutely. He's a good friend of Missouri Farmers. He, he's a former state wife and our chairman um, yeah. for Missouri Farm Bureau. He's um, got deep roots within our industry and within our organization. And uh, working with his staff has always been great. So if he is going to be ranking member of that committee and they can get something passed, that's a good thing for Missouri, I think. Oh, 100%. And, and the last thing I'll mention, and this may not be something that gets any action legislatively, but I think it's going to get action in the courts um, and maybe legislatively. I don't know. It's health care. Uh, we mm -hmm. saw towards the end of last year, you know, there were a lot of things going on. But one thing that I know we really didn't discuss is that a judge in Texas actually ruled that the Affordable Care Act is unconstitutional. Now, I am not an attorney, so I'm going to look to you to kind of flesh out some of these terms. But previously, the U.S. Supreme Court, to my understanding, ruled that the Affordable Care Act was constitutional because of the individual mandate, which was Congress's ability to charge a tax or fee on individuals for not complying with the law, mm -hmm. aka not buying health insurance. Mm -hmm. When we did the tax reform bill in late 2017, that got rid of the individual mandate. Mm -hmm. um, it got rid of the penalty right. for okay. it. It made there it zero dollars. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's the difference. So now they're saying that the Supreme Court may take a look at the Affordable Care Act again. Have you heard anything on that? Yeah, and so that's basically what this lawsuit did was to say, since that penalty is now gone, well, that, there's no more taxing power. Mm -hmm. um, and so therefore, there shouldn't be a constitutional authority, uh, constitutional basis for the law. And um, the judge agreed with that. There have been a lot of uh, a lot of people on both sides that have either strongly agreed or strongly disagreed with mm -hmm. the legal reasoning of that. But basically, the the ruling is not it is being stayed until it goes up through appeal. Right. So nothing's actually changing right now until the it goes all the way through the final appeals process, which very well may be the Supreme Court, like mm -hmm. you say. Um, and if it does get there, though, that's the real question is, look, obviously, if Chief Justice Roberts said a couple years ago or several years ago in the Obamacare decision, he said that the um, the reason that it passed constitutional muster was because this was a tax. Mm -hmm. And now if that tax is gone and that was the only reason it passed constitutional muster, obviously there's a, 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 a logical reason, logical argument to say, to well, now it no that. longer does, yeah. no longer has a basis to stand on. I think the more realistic thing is they were looking for a way to uphold it and now it's been in place even longer, what, like six more years since mm -hmm. that decision. Um, it's even more ingrained into the fabric of the law. I would be stunned if um, they throw the entire law out yeah. now based on that change in policy. I bet they find another way to uphold at least part of it, right. at least most of it. You know, they may decide to sever that part of it from the rest of the bill. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, that's all my speculation, but I think that's there's a lot of people who uh, tend to agree with that, that 
the uh, the odds of the Supreme Court now being like, well, you got us. Uh, I guess, right. you know, man. <laughs> they don't do that very <laughs> often. <laughs> they usually try to find another way to finagle it and make it come out the way they want it to, unfortunately. Um, so we'll see. At this point, like we were saying, it, it doesn't actually have much effect because the ruling was stayed. And right. that just means it's like put on pause until right. they can go through all the, the appeals. I think that's an issue that we really saw guiding the 2018 midterm elections. Of course, you know, in 2016, you had several Republicans elected, and many of them campaigned on the idea that they wanted to reform the health care system. Mm-hmm. They wanted to keep the parts that were good and get rid of the parts that maybe were not so good. And we saw, you know, there was an effort in the House that, you know, they tried, they passed it, it failed in the Senate by one vote. They just were not able to get it done. And we saw that conversation still driving the results, at least in my opinion, Mm -hmm. of the election in Missouri in 2018 Senate race. Mm -hmm. So I anticipate that that's still going to be a topic of discussion. However, legislatively, I don't really know if anything's going to get done. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. I agree. And I think that the reality, the political reality is... Um, as long as this decision uh, is still up in the air, nothing's going to happen yep, because that's fair. there's not much incentive for, say, the Republicans to push something to happen because they're holding out hope that this that the Supreme Court bails them out and um, you know that they come out mm-hmm. victorious there. And so, why would they pass something that might undercut their chances right. there? And the Dems are kind of looking at it the same way. You know, mm-hmm. um, well, if this, the court may throw this thing out and, and vindicate us. And why should we pass anything to water down what we already like Mm -hmm. and currently is already in law because it's the decision's been stayed. So just politically speaking, I can't see any reason why there would be action until that decision, that court decision's made. Right. Yeah. So stay tuned for updates on healthcare. (laughs) Like I said, I think it is something people are going to be talking about as far as action items. Like I said, trade, infrastructure. Um, those issues, I think, are going to immigration. Those mm-hmm. are going to see some sort of legislative action. Healthcare is just something that I know is really important to our members, and yeah. I think people are going to continue talking about. Sure, it'll always be a part of the discussion for, for quite some time. Um, the one other thing that I've seen that is coming up in the in the next few months is a debt ceiling mm-hmm. um, increase is going to be coming due pretty soon. Um, Yay. Yeah, it just never goes away. <laughs> it always comes back around. Yep, we just and, had one a couple of years ago, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, just, you know, just, uh, just recently. Always. So they're uh, going to have to try to get that sorted out again. And again, having the dynamics of a new um, leadership structure, a new power dynamic in the House and Senate is going to be interesting to see how they, they work that out. And then also the spending bills um, that they're going to have to pass uh, in the next couple of months for next year mm-hmm. um, are starting to come up. And the this is, goes way back to, I think, like 2015, 2013, I don't know, whenever. Um, there, there was a big budget deal, and they put in the sequestration yep. caps. And now those later year caps are starting to come into a, mm-hmm. effect and come into play. And part of the sequestration, the whole point was to make it so painful that no legislator would actually let it happen. Right. Because it, there's no way that they could actually put up with these drastic draconian cuts. Well, the cuts that would come into play this coming budget year would be like 10%. Uh, across the board, you know, just slash and um, with a machete, not not with a scalpel. And that is substantially more than it's even been in the past few years. It's really mm-hmm. starting to grow. And yeah. um, so that's going to put a lot of pressure on them to come up with some decision as to how to change that if they want to and um, how to pass budget numbers that can actually be 
agreed to by both sides. And oh, by the way, we're getting ready to start campaigning for the 2020 <laughs> presidential election. Oh, yeah. By the way, yeah. on New And oh, Year's by Eve, the way, to throw that in there. Oh, on New Year's <laughs> Eve, uh, Elizabeth Warren announced that she's running for president. So we have our first like yes. big player formal announcement. Yes, exploratory committee has uh-huh. been formed, oh, yes, yes. I understand. Of course, she's not announcing she's running. She's right. just looking into it. Just looking it. into it. Right. right. Just curious. And so it begins. Uh, it never really ends, does it? No. So, yes, that all will will be uh, wrapped in together. Nothing happens in a vacuum in D.C. It's all connected to politics. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that affects it. All righty. Well, thanks for the updates. I'm sorry there isn't more clarity on things right <laughs> well, now. Well, hopefully, like I said, by next week, things may be the same and things may be wildly different. Absolutely. So, um, I've learned that the best strategy you can use when working with government is to adapt. So that's, that's right. what we're trying to do. So. <laughs> Speculation is just the name of the game. That's, that's what, right. You know, that's the most interesting part of, uh, of political commentary is the people who are just speculating. <laughs> I'm just but, making it up as I know, go at this uh, point. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, thanks again, Spencer. Yep. I appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Thank you again for joining us. We'll be back next week to follow up about the government shutdown. Hopefully we'll be back open by then. So we'll see you then.